everybody. It's Wayne with Mark and Areed, and we are so excited that you've come to watch the Eat Community Podcast. We know you're going to enjoy it. We actually did it live originally on our Eat Community webinar series, which we also invite you to come to, but you will love this podcast that you're going to be listening to right now. Jeff, what, what's the hurricane that's been closest to you? That's the one thing about weather down there that it can be a little, you know, a little different at times. Yeah, we haven't actually had a hurricane in many years. Um, more hurricanes have hit like North Carolina, even, even Canada for weirdly sake, even the West Coast has had, oh, California has got more hurricanes than we have this year. So um, not, not been an issue recently. Uh, although the earth is making some changes, volcanoes going off, another one yesterday, and uh, earthquakes, I'm sorry to hear, um, you know, the earth what is still shifting. Um, why don't you go ahead and get a start, go ahead and start the broadcast for everybody now, Mark. All right, we're recording. All right, hey everybody, welcome. This is the Economic Action Team and our webinar that we have today. We're, we're starting to call them podcasts. It seems like that's the term that people use now. So we kind of changed our vernacular and call them podcasts. We are so glad and excited to have with us Jeff Palmer. And we've just been talking a little bit about Florida, which is where he's at. And he, we just talked about weather a little bit and, and hurricanes. And he was saying that really hasn't been affected to where he's at in many years. I read about something today that I hope doesn't affect you. Um, there is a chunk of algae out in the ocean, and it is headed towards the southwest Florida coast that is 5,000 miles wide. Okay. It's more than twice as wide as the United States. And it's, it's dead algae, dead and live. And they really worry about if it hit the coast, it's sort of, and it's not just un, un, you know, uh, small, it's, it's seaweed types of algae that it could cause um, um, red tide, which the Gulf of Mexico does get at certain times. So, um, so I, I hope that doesn't, I hope it breaks apart. Usually they do. Usually as they get close to coastlines, they break up, but uh, we'll see. So Jeff, it is so great to have you. Um, Thank you for having me. Everybody has an interview style. And if you would, uh, put your questions in the box that we've got over on the right-hand side of your screen, usually. If you're on your cell phones, it'll be usually down at the bottom. Um, and you can put a question in. If you want to raise your hand even, we'll even let you give your question live. This is going to be an interview format, so we'll probably take questions while we're going. And then also at the end, we're very... Uh, sensitive about both your time audience and about our guests' time, and so we keep this to an hour. And uh, but we usually have more than we can talk about in an hour, but we limit it to that. And if we can, we get people back for a second or third time, if at all possible, if we get lots of questions. So, um, Jeff, I've got a whole list of questions that Mark has given to me and Arib has given to me, and I've got some myself. Um, you know, I, I'm going to start with one that's pretty typical. Tell us your personal journey in what it, that led you to create the clean machine. So what, what's your journey in life that led towards creating your business? So in, in two days, on March 15th, I will be celebrating my 38th year of being vegan. Wow. So what happened March 15th in 1985, so long ago? Well, um, I was raised in a high IQ family. My father was an English professor, taught uh, existentialism. My mother was a Jungian child psychologist. So I was raised by academics and um, my field of fascination was biology and science. I wanted to understand how this amazing human body and brain work. So I was a biopsych major in, in college, but I was also fascinated by nature. And, and uh, but as I saw the beautiful harmony that nature has with itself, 
how the interconnectedness was so balanced and vital and interdependent. Looking at the human structure and the structures that we built were such the antithesis of this. I began to feel like I was out of place, like I almost didn't belong here. And I lost my support system. I lost my mother, my father, and both brothers at an early age. And being raised in that type of dynamic family where that type of exchange was what kept me going every day, I fell into a very dark place and was suicidally depressed for several years, struggling with my connection to this world, a world that didn't seem to make any sense to me at all, and, and losing my support system, those that I could talk about what I was seeing, what I was trying to understand, how I was trying to make sense of this world, especially because I felt so more in harmony with nature. I would come home from school, put down my books and get in the canoe and be out on the, the lake all day or go deep and hiking into the woods and just spin it with the animals and the trees. And I just felt so much at home and at peace in that environment compared to this bizarre reality that human beings have created for themselves with cars and hierarchical jobs and manipulations and people stealing from each other and killing each other. And it's just like, well, you know, do I really even belong here? I was about to exit because the um, suffering became so intense, I couldn't handle it anymore. And after two failed attempts to take my life, I met somebody who was really happy and she introduced me somebody to who just split me wide open and helped me get reconnected to who I was. I had lost touch with that power, that nature in myself. And when I reconnected to that, it was such an overwhelmingly powerful experience. I quit smoking, I quit doing drugs, I quit drinking alcohol, and I quit eating all animals in one day. Wow. That was 38 years ago. March 15th, wow. I felt so grateful to be released from my own suffering. I committed the rest of my life, not only to contributing no more suffering to any other living being on this planet, but to helping those who are causing the suffering try to make a change so they too will contribute to less suffering. So in my search, you know, obviously I was looking for something that made sense to me, being raised by academics and surrounded by kids who were children of professors and things like this. They all started throwing the questions, where do you get your protein? Where do you get your megas? You know, are you, is this going to hurt you being vegan? You know, how are you going to survive? And I said, no, this feels too right inside. I know it's right. I have to go out and find the research, find the science to show that it's right. So I've spent really the last 35 years of my life combing through the research since I had already been trained in college on how to read studies well to find out the reasons why and started saying, hey, wait a minute, you've got this assumption wrong and presenting it to, to professors, to researchers and challenging them and working to find some of the most extraordinary plants for nutrition in the plant kingdom to bring them forward. So I traveled the world, I traveled to 48 different countries to try to learn from other cultures and how they would create shifts in their life. And there were Buddhist monks that used chanting, there were you know all these different cultures. And I was doing a sweat lodge with Native Americans and was sitting in the sweat lodge and this just outpouring of sweat came from the sweat lodge. And then this outpouring of emotions, and then this outpouring of ideas just came. And I said, wow, this is really cool. All we did was shift the physical and then the emotional came to shift with it. And then the energetic or spiritual part shifted with it and the mental part shifted with it. And I said, well, this is the mechanism. Just take one aspect of the human experience and let's move it. Let's get some movement out of that. And maybe the rest of the human will want to move with it. 
So I said, okay, where do we start then? Well, I said, obviously doing sweat lodges or chanting Buddhist monks is not something the average American is going to do. So let's do pick something that is something familiar to them, something that's reasonable. I said, well, everybody eats. Let's start there. I can talk with nutrition and the science behind the nutrition. And everybody does some sort of exercise, even as it's walking away from your desk to the refrigerator, that's exercise. <laughs> so I said, let's just start with those two foundational elements. And I will try to focus on giving people an optimal experience, optimal nutrition, optimal physical fitness, so they can feel that physical shift. And hopefully they will also bring that emotional, that psychological, and even that spiritual or energetic peace with them. So that's what I've been working on. And working with other companies, I found I was halfway there. I was able to put my fingerprint on some of the companies that I was working with, but I was never really able to live exactly the way I want, with high integrity, doing the things that most companies, which are just profit-driven, would never do, because they're so focused on the profits, not on the value. What are you giving of value to the people? How are you improving and making their lives better? That's what I wanted to contribute. And that's why I formed Clean Machine. One as an identity to keep this extraordinary machine that we're all born into, clean, natural, free of animal products and free of drugs, alcohol, things that can damage and slow and dull our experience while we're here on Earth. That's a long story, I know, but it's it's oh. foundational to to what I do and why I do what I do. So why did you decide of, that the way to go was maybe products versus, let's say, just straight up education? And, and you do a little of both, but so what? And how did how did you how did you begin to find? The products, you talked about how you, you knew the kinds of plants, for example, because of the study you were doing, but you then had to go out and find ingredients. So how did that process go? Yeah, so I was I was working with a, a, another big corporate company, big CPG company. I worked with some of the top Fortune 100 and 500 companies at the decision-making top, and it was creating products, but some of them were rejected even though I knew they could be very helpful. I found this amazing cactus flower. It's the Apuntia ficus indica cactus flower. And I was digging through research on heat shock proteins, which is a whole other story I wrote a book on, which are intracellular structures that actually help our bodies and help every cell on the planet adapt to its environment. Uh, it's what causes evolution. They are the evolutionary molecules that had to exist even before the very first cells exist for cells to even exist on this planet. So when I was stumbling through the, the research because these cactus have adapted to life better than any plant on the planet, they can exist in extreme cold, extreme heat. You can drop a nuclear bomb on them and they'll still survive, <laughs> literally. Um, so I'm like, well, how can they adapt so well? Well, they, they do it by helping them upregulate these heat shock proteins. But I was when I was looking at heat shock proteins, I, I noticed that the cactus flower is the sex organ and it, it actually uh, governs its hormones. And I'm like, well, if it's that good at survival, is it that good at modulating its hormones too as well? Now, sometimes in a plant, when you modulate uh, well, a plant's activity doesn't translate to the same activity in humans, and sometimes it does. I found this study that showed it inhibited or controlled or modulated both estrogen and DHT better than anything currently on the market by far. Now, DHT is the main contributor to hair loss or to prostate cancer in, in men, and, and I'm like, wow, this could be extraordinary. Well, I looked in the, the researchers had done a follow-up and found that it reduced prostate um, symptoms by up to 80%, two different clinical studies. I'm like, this is extraordinary. This could help tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of men all across this country. Um, and I'm like, 
oh my God, this is a gold mine, but why is this not out there? Well, when pharmaceutical companies find something like this, the way they make money is by isolating a single extract and patenting it, right? And then with a the patent, they can jack the price up 6,000% and sell it to the consumer at these extraordinary <laughs> increased amounts. But when they did the research on it, they found there was a bunch of different, about five different phytochemicals that were actually causing the positive effect. So uh, they couldn't patent it. So what they did is they called junked the study. They buried it so that no one would ever see it. So that human beings all across the world would not find out that a plant could be more effective at helping men with prostate problems. This is the greed principle that we're facing in humanity now. And when I found that, I was, I don't know if I was more angry or more excited, a little of both. I was angry at what they did because men could have cost effectively been helping prevent one of the biggest issues and health problems that men face. I mean, it's one of the fastest growing cancer killers of men in the United States. And it's a cheap herb. And they suppress this information intentionally. That kind of thing bothers me. We don't have to behave this way. We can give this information to the people, make this plant available to people and do so in a way. Now, as a supplement company, I can't say anything about cancer. I can tell you that the research is out there about it, but I can't tell you that because the FDA says it's against the law for supplement companies to speak on these things, even if there's clinical proof done by the pharmaceutical companies out there. Um, so I took that and made that into the first product. Now, I can't sell it for cancer, but I can sell it for sports nutrition because it has the same general properties. You want to prevent that testosterone from converting to DHT, which can cause acne and hair loss and, and, and prostate issues, or estrogen, which can be, you know, accelerate fat like gains and water gains. So this could be awesome for both men and women. Now I can do that as a fitness supplement. I can't do it otherwise. So I said, all right, well, then there's my opportunity to go out and be able to address this in a way to people who could use it for their own benefit. Uh-oh. Jeff? Yes. You locked up for about five seconds there. So it was right after you were talking about the pharmaceutical companies. So just, we locked up for just about five seconds. Okay, so sorry about that. Uh, I hope we I hope we can maintain a good signal. No, we're but good. Anyway, that was that was the very first product I did. I found a an extraordinary thing, and I was proud to be the first person to bring it to market. And that's just on the road. I found ahi flower, uh, the richest source of omega three of any plant ever discovered. Um, I found lentine, the richest source of plant based protein of any plant ever discovered. We've won the Nexty Award twice, which is the top supplement award in the United States. I just go out, love going out and finding this research and then turning it and making it available for the average person instead of it just letting their sit in the researcher's domain and never being able to be used by the average customer. I want people to benefit from these. We're in extraordinary times where people's health has taken a dangerous downturn with almost 70% of people being overweight or obese in this country, we're at pandemic. The real pandemic is obesity and diabetes to be exact in the United States. That's the real killer of human beings, uh, not a virus. Uh, virus is a drop in the bucket in numbers compared to what this, this does to humanity every single year and is getting worse by the moment. So we have to make some inroads on this and we're gonna need better and better nutritional solutions to this. And that's why I'm going out there trying to find these extraordinary plants to make a difference. So what would you say the inspiration was to focus on um, 
athletics and and the benefits of this nutrition for athletic performance was that because you were always active in sports yourself or or was it that you just saw hey this would be great for people that are involved well um i think uh, a combination of the things i was a, a junior olympic swimmer in high school and college and you know i was i was consuming over five to eight thousand calories a day and i was still at four percent body fat so i saw what uh you know athletics can do and what athletic requirements are and how important nutrition was to performance but i think when you apply that to our general population it's not about athletics but I wanted to set an example. You know, somebody was, I was at a veg fest once and a woman walked up to me and she says, she saw my shirt, had vegan on it. And she saw my my arms and uh, and she says, you you do that naturally? And I said, yep, 100% drug free. And she goes, how old are you? And I turned 60. Um, so she's like, you're 60 and you have like 17 inch arms naturally without drugs? And I said, yeah. And I said, I've been vegan for 38 years. And she's like, what? And that rang a bell with me. Like, hey, wait a minute. This could be a conversation starter that people, one, don't believe you can build muscle on a plant-based diet, which I hope after 38 years of eating nothing but plants blows that away, that you can't carry muscle into your 60s and 70s. And well, I... I hope to blow that away, but I want to be a living example for people to see, to get beyond the fear that plant-based diet is not nutritionally adequate, which is just false. So a question that I know people will always have, so you've gotten <laughs> this, I know a number of times, is how do you get enough protein when you're, when you're on a plant-based diet exclusively? It, it, it's funny, um, all of us, every single animal on this planet gets their protein from plants. So um, animals do not and cannot make protein as a whole. We can break apart protein and put it back together like a school child does with blocks, uh, but we don't make essential amino acids. It's impossible for any animal on this planet. So animals are not the source of protein. 100% of the protein is made by plants or bacteria, microorganisms. So that's the only place protein comes from, to be honest. Animals are consumers of nutrients. They are not makers of nutrients. Plants make all of the essential fats, all of the essential amino acids, all of the vitamins and minerals, except for D3, which is made by our sun, and, uh, and vitamin B12, which is made by bacteria, but zero nutrients are actually made by animals that we require and can't get from plants. So everything comes from plants, all the carbs, all the essential fats, all the essential amino acids that make up proteins, all of the vitamins, all of the minerals, even the air that we breathe is made by plants. We are solely, every animal is 100% dependent on plants. If you look at, there's a pyramid, it's called the trophic pyramid. In biology 101, that pyramid puts plants at the bottom because they make all the nutrients that feed all of the rest of the organisms, herbivores, omnivores, and carnivores at the top. Now, carnivores are actually the most dependent out of all the animals because you lose energy. That's why it's a pyramid, because there's lots of energy created by plants at the bottom, and you lose energy every time you convert it. So those apex predators are very few in number because they require more of the people, the animals below it in this case, to feed them. So you get smaller and smaller and more and more dependent as you get to the top. So when people think, oh, apex predator, we're at the top. No, you're the most dependent of all the organisms on nutrition. You require plants and animals to feed you, whereas herbivores like human beings only require plants. Humans have zero requirement for anything that comes from an animal, none. And so it's surprising to me when people ask, 
where do you get your protein or where do you get your omegas? <laughs> I get them in the same place everybody does from plants. Whether you take that plant and feed it to an animal first and then kill the animal and steal its plant nutrients, well, why not just leave the animal out of it? They don't have to die for you to get those nutrients. They don't have to suffer. They don't have to be imprisoned for their whole life just for you to take their plant nutrients. Hey, I don't kill you and take the money that you made. Why do you kill an animal and take the nutrients that they ate? Why not just eat themselves? I let you go out and make your money. I go out and make my own money and I go out and eat my own plants. I don't feed them to an animal first. So where do you source your plants from once you've identified what you want to use in your products? So I, I follow a path of what's called a nutritarian. Uh, nutritarian means you focus on the most nutrient plants out there. So dark greens are really nutrient rich. They're the key superfoods. And of course, berries are one of the highest in antioxidants and polyphenols, which do not come from animals at all. And of course, all that good fiber comes from plants too, like beans and legumes and tubers. So these are the best sources for nutrition. They're the best for our microbiome. They're the best for our health. Let's take heme iron, for example, because a lot of people say, hey, where do you get your iron? So heme iron is only found in animals. It's in every animal flesh, whether it's fish or pork or chicken or meat or beef. So heme iron comes, it's what's found in our blood. So the researchers thought, well, heme iron absorbs really quickly. That's the better one to use. It's better than plant, which absorbs slowly. We now know the opposite is the truth. They were wrong about that all along. <laughs> heme iron actually causes cancer. We know the exact pathway that it causes cancer in our digestive tract. And the plant version of iron is called phytate-bound iron. Now, phytic acid can actually go into our cells and reverse cancer cells. So the animal-based iron that we used to think was better is actually killing us and causing cancer. The plant-based iron that we used to think is worse is actually protecting us from cancer and even preventing and reversing cancer, something no drug on the market can do, but beans can do for you every day. Get get more specific when I was talking about the source. There is more, where would you, so for example, are the, these mainly plants that come from North America? Are you getting them from all different places in the world? And once you do find them, let's say you find something that you'd like to get that's uh, only in in South America, for example, how do you how do you figure out where you would get them there? What's the best place? Because I'm sure you give a lot of thought to that. Yeah, I mean, as for dietary purposes, uh, obviously I eat the same plants that are in the grocery store. You know, apples, pears, grapes, bananas, peaches, all watermelon, all the good stuff. Um, but my favorites are berries and nuts. Uh, because berries are the highest in polyphenols, which have all kinds of health benefits. No polyphenols are found in any animal product. And then uh, beans, which are one of the highest in protein, also rich in prebiotic fibers to feed our microbiome. But the extraordinary plants like lentine, lentine grows in ponds and freshwater streams all over the world. So just about any freshwater pond on the planet, you can find duckweed. Um, duckweed, um, which is the trade name for lentine in our clean green protein product, uh, duckweed is one of the highest in uh, essential amino acids, branch chain amino acids of any plant, but it's also the richest source of nu total nutrients, making it the number one superfood on the planet. And it's funny, duckweed, like its name, we the ducks ate it and we considered and humans considered it a weed. We've been trying to kill it for the last 50 years, not understanding that it's the richest source of nutrition of any plant on the planet. The WHO said it's the most complete food source on the planet. Uh, NASA is actually using it to uh, do the trip to Mars because it's the most nutritionally complete food source on, <laughs> that they can eat. By the way, 
everybody, the way that Jeff and I met is, as I think most of you know, that have been around us, around me, I'm a huge duckweed advocate. I, um, I grow a, a, no, a number of different ponds that I've helped create and build all around the world. I try to encourage people to try to grow duckweed and then to harvest it and get use for it with their with themselves and with their their livestock and and all kinds of different uses. And yet, as Jeff just said, most people try to kill duckweed. And most people think <laughs> duckweed, they go, oh, there's that that green slime across the top of my pond. When you have duckweed in a pond, that's a healthy pond. It's not <laughs> Duckweed will only grow in places where the water quality and all the nutrients that it needs are present, and yet not the pollutants that would cause would cause problems. You you won't find duckweed in those in those kinds of water bodies. But that's the way Jeff and I met because the the lentine that he that he talks about, which again is duckweed, um, is he's not, he's one of one of not the few. There are there are others like him, but but he's a very strong advocate. Duckweed can be found anywhere in the world, by the way. Um, there's different varieties of it, different species of it that'll be found in any water body in fresh water. Um, let's, let's change to a little different su subject area for a second, back on a personal side. Um, you mentioned about your parents and being intellectuals and really important in your life and unfortunately losing them early. Tell us about somebody who had a big influence on your you and your life, let's say post teen years, so high school and above, um, or above high school, that's not your one of your parents, who's a person that mm -hmm. you feel like has really had a positive influence on you. That's a that's a good question. Um, so for me, living a high integrity life is always something I admired. Um, because I was fascinated by science, Jacques Cousteau was my hero when I was a kid. Um, the undersea world of Jacques Cousteau was something that I got so excited when it came on TV um, for the next episode. As I got older a little bit, um, I, the philosophical ones, Mahatma Gandhi and, um, and Thich Nhat Hanh uh, were two of my favorites just because they lived life and blazed a path of integrity and, and living a life true to their values. And for me, that was my goal. It, I, I will not lie, it's been a struggle to, you know, I watch uh, Star Trek and I see, uh, see them living without money, right? They've, they've evolved to a place where they don't even use money much anymore. They can use it, uh, but it's, it's not required that everything's just taken care of, that you can just pursue your passions and, the, and, and live to best of your ability, um, you know, from each uh, to their need to each uh, um, based on your ability. Um, I love that way because there's something I think that we've lost in a society that is uh, so driven on profits that we lose touch of the original currency. And that's human goodness. You know, way back when, before fiat currency, before money was ever invented, we did things based on the value of what we gave to others. And what we had to give to others was ourself. You know, our time, our energy, our efforts, our kindness. That was the original currency. And I think we've lost touch with that currency a little bit. And for me, if I could live without selling anything and just be a, an educator, that would be awesome. But I'm not so sure <laughs> that uh, that's a, enough to pay my bills. So um, I do this because I'm passionate about trying to bring products that can help people in a way that still allows me to pay bills and, and live a life that will give me some freedoms to talk to people more and more about health and nutrition and fitness. So tell us a little bit about your bodybuilding experiences, 
and don't don't be shy. Um, <laughs> tell us tell us about some of the things that we that I know at least that you've been able to do. We've been seeing a bunch of people on the the screen that are ambassadors of yours and that, that clearly use the product other than yourself. So maybe even mention a couple of those people's names also. But tell us about what you do in your sporting life. Let's call it that. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, I definitely wanted to be the billboard, the conversation starter, being a 60-year-old uh, male that uh, has been vegan for 38 years and um, and just really loving life. I'm still 100% drug-free. Uh, I take no medications. I have no health conditions whatsoever. Uh, really sad that the average American by my age is already on half a dozen pharmaceutical drugs for health conditions. It doesn't have to be that way. We don't have to go down the path of eating the standard American diet, then getting the disease states, then going to the hospitals and paying the doctors and paying the pharmaceutical companies and paying the insurance companies. And you know, you don't have to give away your whole life savings to these people that are preying on you continuing to eat junk and dying from disease states. It doesn't have to be that way. You can live a full life, full of energy, full of health. That's what I wanna to give to people. That's what I wanna show them as a different path. So I put together some of the top athletes out there and like Karen Sutton, who's extraordinary in what he's accomplishing. He's both an advocate for the animals, uh, um, five, six, seven times pro athlete um, beating people on stage half his age and and uh, that are, you know, meat-eating, standard American diet-eating folks. So just blowing away the myth. So we put together an entire bodybuilding competition, the first and only all-vegan, drug-free, drug-tested, natural bodybuilding competition in the world, the World Vegan Bodybuilding Championship. And we invite people from all over the world um, to come see what can truly be accomplished without drugs and without harming any animals and do it in a way that can inspire other people to say, wait a minute, I want to be like that. If they can do it, I can do it. And that's the inspirational message I hope we give to others to really make a change in their life, to feel confident and comfortable that it can be done. I think most people don't want to hurt animals. I don't think that the vast majority of people want animals harmed. But we have something called animal acrasia, where if you asked people, 99% of the people would say it's wrong to hurt an animal for no reason. But when you tell them that you don't need to eat them, so there is no reason to eat them, and you're paying somebody else to harm them, then it becomes, well, that's food. So there's a disconnect there. And I wanna help people reconnect to their true self, to be in line with their true ethics of, we're not sadists. We don't take joy out of making an animal or making another being suffer or die or lose their life or be stripped from their parents. That's, that's not something that human beings would be happy to be doing. Yet that's exactly what we are doing. And there's such a disconnect because we've removed the act away from the result. And I, I wanna get people reconnected to that so that they can live a life that is not harming themselves, is not harming the environment, and is not harming the animals. And that you can feel so good about. These are, you know, people say, is it hard being vegan? And I say, is it hard not to eat your dog? We're like, no, of course not. I would never eat my dog. I love my dog. I said, that's how I feel about all the rest of the animals. There's no difference. The only difference is where we scoot that imaginary line. You know, we used to treat blacks in this country as slaves. We needed to move that line and say, no, that's wrong. We need to embrace that they are part of the family. We did that to women. Alice Walker, you know, said, um, animals are not ours, just like blacks are not, uh, you know, those owned for white men and women are not here for men. Animals are here for their own reasons, just like 
blacks and women and any other group that has been marginalized by people in power. And, and that's the reconnection. If we can get reconnected back to that, I think pretty much most of the humans on this planet, most, not all for sure, believe that women should have as equal rights, that blacks should have equal rights. And I think if you really get down to it, since we are an animal, all animals should have equal rights as well to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's why we're all here. That's what we're trying to convey in what we're doing. Awesome. Apologize for the phone there. I thought I had that turned off, but I don't. Um, so you're, you're, you're in your 60s, so you're 60 now. You hope to still be doing this when you're 70. I will. I love fitness. I love the way it feels. Uh, I love the activity level. There's some wonderful studies coming out showing that physical activity alone, just working out for um, 30 minutes to an hour a day for three times a week, reduces your risk of cancer by 60 to 77 percent. Now, nobody wants to have cancer. It's a horrible, horrible uh, disease state. Nobody in their family wants cancer. But if you can just exercise and reduce your risk by 75% or more, why would you not do that? Why would you choose not to do that? Exercise is enjoyable. Exercise makes you feel awesome afterwards. It clears up your skin. Look, I'm 60 years old. I mean, I no wrinkles, none. <laughs> Plants and, and fitness and exercise they're such and it's to me they're like well i don't want to live that long because i'm not enjoying this life so much I'm like okay it's not about life length it's about health span it's not about lifespan it's about health span which is how long can you actually enjoy life while you're here how long do you have all the capabilities no one wants to suffer with disease states you know i asked i asked a guy at the gym he goes, oh, but I love my burger. I said, do you love your burger more than your children? He goes, of course not. And I said, but if you know that that burger can increase your risk of cancer, of heart disease, of stroke by 77%, you're telling me that you value that burger more than you value being here for the family that needs you, that depends on you, that loves you and wants you here. Hey, I lost almost everyone in my family by the time I was 30. I lost my brother recently, more, more recently when I was 50. But I wish they were here. I wish they had adopted these things. I want that for other people. I don't want you to suffer the way I did in losing my family members way too young. And there's an answer for that. It's not 100%. But gosh, if you go to Vegas, you play, the, you play to, to win, right? Why aren't we doing that with our own lives? We, if we can improve our chances and be there for the ones who love us and depend us and care about us, God, I wish I had my father here. I lost my father when I was 18. I lost my mother when I was 30. I wish they were here to see the life I've created, the joy that I'm having. I wish I could celebrate that with them. I don't get that opportunity. But if I can help somebody else gain that connection and gain that experience and help their parents stay here long enough for them to enjoy, to see their kids grow up, to see their grandkids, to, to watch them cross that stage and get the diploma, those joy moments. Yeah, if I can help somebody else do that, something that I got robbed of, I'll leave here happy. Right, that's so awesome. Isn't it so cool, everybody, how passionate the Jeff is about all of this? It's so exciting. He's got so much just you know enjoyment from from what 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 he believes in. Um, Mark is showing or re-showing the the this national championship that Jeff was just talking about that's coming up in April um, in Broward, Florida. I'm assuming that tickets that people can spectators can come and such and and if, if there's somebody that's not in the community out there and they're learning about this from 
this video the first time, I'm sure. When do when do entries close? When would be the last date somebody could enter? You can buy right up till the day of show. Uh, you can get your tickets for the Fort Lauderdale. Uh, uh, it's in Fort Lauderdale. It's at the Broward Convention Center, so it's indoor and air conditioned. Uh, we'll have over 60 vendors. We've got a uh, 12 different speakers, including uh, uh, several plant-based doctors uh, that were in Game Changers. Um, we have uh, uh, Chef Babette, uh, a vegan uh, chef who is 72 and doing planks, side planks, like nobody's business. I'm just extraordinary examples. Last, uh, last time we had uh, almost 50 vegan athletes take the stage. So you can see what has been accomplished. There'll be education there. There'll be a full-on ninja warrior gym there that you can try out and see, test your own strength. So it's it's gonna be a really fun event. If you're interested in vending, we still have open opportunities up to two weeks before the show. Uh, if you're interested in sponsoring or even just attending and finding out what this is all about, come out and learn, come out and share. There'll be athletes, there'll be doctors, there'll be experts in every field. Uh, of the plant-based community there to help you and support you on your journey and answer your questions. It's going to be a, an amazing, amazing show. And that's April you, 15th. What if you're completely natural-based and you want to, you want to, you've never heard of this, but you want to compete? Is uh, what's the time schedule for getting entries in to be able to? Yes. Compete? So all of our competitors must uh, be vegan and be drug-free for at least one year in order to take the stage. And the reason we do this is we want to show that this bodies that you'll see on stage are a result of only eating plants and of no uh, drugs uh, being enhancing that. This was just hard work, nutrition, and the love for uh, plants, the animals, and the environment. That's what this is. And that's what these shining examples that take the stage, but yes, we're still taking applicants for if you want to compete, if you're ready to compete, please come join the stage and let's show the world what can be accomplished. Awesome. So tell us, um, tell us how we can buy some of your products. Where, where can we get them? Uh, I'm assuming we can buy on your website, but are they on Amazon or where, where else can we can we buy products? Yes, yeah, so we mostly sell on our website direct and on our uh, Amazon page. Um, we have a, I'm sorry to say, we have a couple of products that are out of stock because our sales have boomed lately. And, um, you know, we're, we're dealing with some similar things that other people do on the supply chain uh, side. So we're uh, scrambling to try to get the products back in the market as quickly as possible. But um, it's great to see people really choosing clean, choosing natural, and, and choosing plant-based products that are to really improve both their health and their fitness levels. Um, but you can get that at Clean Machine online. And you can, uh, next month, we'll be restarting our podcast uh, called uh, um, at Clean Machine Fit. And you can watch us both on uh, Facebook and on Instagram at Clean Machine Fit. Cool. And what if I had a plant type or a product that we thought that I thought maybe you guys would enjoy knowing about and possibly could even produce? Um, is that something you're all open to? If people have ideas of from our community, let's say, and and, and some things that you might look at. 100%. If you or anybody else out there has an extraordinary plant that is, you know, best in class or at least just really up there in that, uh, our requirements are that it has to be 100% plant-based and vegan, that it has to be gluten-free and non-GMO and natural, so no synthetic compounds. But if you have something that fits those four requirements, and that can really improve people's health and or fitness levels, we are wide open to that. And that's what I do every day. That's why I'm out there reading the research to see, hey, what is it they're studying now? What is it that they've learned from the studies and the research and how effective are they? That's what I look for, stuff that has got great science behind it or great nutrition behind it, because I think we're in a time 
where people need that extra level of nutrition and bringing the best to market is is something that I want to do as my personal give back. Let's let's help people be their best version of themselves. So this is a this is kind of an interesting question, but oh, before I ask it, if audience, please, anyone has questions, put them in the uh, in the question box, and we'd love to answer them for you. We've got a number of staff that are also on here too. So if you guys have questions, please just chime in, just you know, just jump in and ask ask Jeff your question. This is going to be an interesting one, and I have no idea what your answer to this one will be. Um, what about plants that clearly fit all those criteria that are somehow psychoactive. So an example might be cannabis and the whole thing, the cannabinoids, and also maybe maybe in the mushroom realm. Uh, again, um, there's a, a lot of interest in, in both those areas right now. How would, how would those fit in? Let's say to an athlete that was that want, wanted to compete in this upcoming competition. Yeah, so uh, all of our shows are drug tested shows. So we test specifically for performance enhancing drugs, um, which is different than recreational or psychoactive or therapeutic drugs, um, uh, and they. Uh, obviously, there are certain people that have required medications that are prescribed for them by doctors that they need for health reasons. So those are still acceptable. What we don't want is uh, performance enhancing drugs um, like HGH or testosterone or you know insulin or uh, diuretics that are synthetic. So that's what we're trying to stay away from um, because that's that's cheating in our in our <laughs> genre of experience. Now, for me as a person, um, psych I know psychoactive actives have extraordinary therapeutic for people like myself who had suffered from serious chronic depression, clinical depression. Um, there are people who have PTSD. There are people who have other um, disorders uh, and even emotional challenges that have been helped tremendously. I know I've heard their stories. So, uh, but Clean Machine, as our name states, is focused on um, plants that don't fall into that category. Um, I personally think there's an, a very valuable place for them. And I'm very pro that for specific individuals. Um, it's not something we do as a brand, though. Got it. That's that answers. Um, anybody else in the audience or staff got questions for Jeff? We're getting close to our end time here. So, Aaron, you usually have a question. I know you're out there. Mark, Arib? Arib probably didn't share it. But Arib is quite an athlete himself, Jeff. And Arib played on the Pakistani national rugby team. Nice. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think, but this is something I think I shared very early on when we were working, but I'm not sure you know about that. But I am kind of vegan also. I wouldn't mm -hmm. say totally 100% vegan because I do eat chicken sometimes because outside we cannot go and ask for plant-based things, veggies. In the restaurant, and uh, I think I, I I eat egg and I drink milk. So not sure I'm hundred <laughs> percent a vegan, but uh, I don't eat mutton or I don't eat beef because I never was a big fan of it, and yeah, was not not able to do it. So uh, I think when you're in sports, I have been always mocked like because I only eat meat. People say a lot of things to me, <laughs> and uh, they want me to have meat to grow muscle and all of it. But I think I did my whole thing without it. And but but like, I think my diet. Uh, people tell me like when I will be 40 or 45, this won't work for me. I will have problems. So that's my question. I have never eaten 
uh, mutton or beef. I do eat chicken only outside sometimes junk, not at home. Uh, I eat a lot of veg vegetables and pulses and lentils. Will it be a problem for me in the in that age, or should I be changing my diet to something particular and vegan? Great question, and thank you for that, and thank you for telling me a little bit about your background too, as well. I encourage you to to look up Kendrick Ferris. Uh, Kendrick Ferris is the current uh, American record holder for weightlifting. That's him. He just set the Olympic record, the American Olympic record for weightlifting. So he is the strongest man in America, period. And he is vegetarian. He's often vegan, but almost predominantly vegetarian. So that shows you the, the whole myth. I mean, I'm 60. I'm a natural bodybuilding champion, natural physique champion. There's just absolutely no evidence showing that um, eat, eating animals in any form, eggs, dairy, meat is required to build muscle. There's none. Uh, all muscle is made from essential amino acids and all essential amino acids are made by plants. Animals do not and cannot make essential amino acids. It's impossible. So all of it comes from it. Um, all you're doing is just cycling the plant essential amino acids through an animal, then killing the animal, and then taking the plant essential amino acids. So there's zero requirement, nutritional requirement for anything that comes from an animal. Um, so the idea that you look at the the, the record holder, Scott Jurek, um, he owns the most world records for the longest runs ever. So if you wanna say, oh, but that's strength, what about endurance? Uh, Jurek, that's it, Scott Jurek right there. Yeah, he just ran the entire length of the mountain range um, in record time. So he's one of the top record holders, Rich Roll. He's uh, probably holds more records in ultra endurance than any other, both are vegan. 100% plants only. Um, so the top athletes, uh, you look at the top tennis player, uh, even the top stock car uh, racer, <laughs> it, they're vegans. Um, uh, Djokovic, he's vegan. Um, and he's the number one most winningest uh, male tennis athlete. So whether right. you're an, a tennis athlete or a, a power lifter or uh, an endurance runner, um, all of them are being broken records by vegans. Um, and, and the reason because um, the animal products actually have other ingredients in it that can cause harm and dysfunction to our body. Heme iron, TMAO, uh, there's so many different pathways that have been elucidated by recent research that show they interfere with our body's natural functioning and that we can function at our highest levels when we solely eat plants. Over and over and over, these studies have done this. And so there's no more argument about this. The only thing that's missing is the belief system. People have to believe that this is what the case because people act on their beliefs not on what they know, but what they believe, unfortunately. <laughs> I have a question. Go ahead, yep. Okay, so um, most common discussion about vegan, um, it comes up that uh, it's about the taste, like some people are, uh, the way they eat um, it, from their childhood. So they have developed the taste for meat and they don't want to give it up. So they say that, uh, you know, I cannot eat, you know, the vegetable doesn't taste good. So what uh, would make it, how do you make it uh, interesting for people to eat uh, vegetables rather than, you know, giving up meat? How do you motivate that? Yeah, actually the opposite is true. Um, uh, children, don't like the taste of meat. And there's many studies on that showing that. Um, 
most children, if you put a bunny rabbit or an orange in their in their crib with them, they're not going to eat the bunny rabbit. They'll they'll pet the bunny rabbit. That's the instinctual effort. So uh, animals that eat animals, like omnivores or carnivores, they have an extinct instinctive nature to tear apart an animal as soon as they see one. They salivate when they see another animal. Human beings don't salivate when we see an animal. Do you salivate when you see your dog or your cat? No, of course not. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not our nature. Human beings are herbivores. We are herbivores because of our physiology. And there's, there's not really any debate about this uh, for the truly educated in the science field. Um, our digestive tract, our microbiome tells us we are, our microbiome, the good guys in our microbiome feed almost exclusively on fiber and polyphenols. These don't exist in the animal kingdom. You get zero of them. There is no fiber in any animal product. Yet that's what our gut health depends on. As a matter of fact, every time you eat an animal product, it creates a bile environment because it's harder for our bodies to break down animal products. So the body, our livers creates bile, and then the bile helps digest this. Well, a bile environment helps pathogenic bacteria live. So every time you create a bile environment in your gut, you're creating an environment where more pathogenic or disease-causing bacteria can thrive in your gut. And you're suppressing the ones that would be good. You're ones that eat fiber. Fiber eating by our bacteria. So it's interesting. Uh, human beings, we adapted to eating fiber so well that we have a gene that uh, creates an enzyme that would break down cellulose. And our body has realized, hey, wait a minute, to feed our good guys, our microbiome, let's just turn that gene off. So evolutionarily, way back in our evolution, our gene got turned off so that we don't uh, break down cellulose. And like cellulose is the number one material on the planet, period. <laughs> it's the most common material on the planet. Why would our bodies not break down that? To allow our microbiome to feed on it instead. We say, hey, we won't eat that for you. We'll save those calories for you because you feed on fiber and cellulose and you break it down and you make butyrates, which they use for energy. So this is how we can create a healthy microbiome. This these disease states like Crohn's disease and IBS and irritable bowel and all of these things are from what we're eating. Even the number one over-the-counter drug is an anti-acid. Why is that? Because when we put meat and dairy and animal proteins in it, it's much harder for us to drink. So we have to produce a lot more stomach acid. This is too much and this causes GERD and repeats and acid influx. And then we have to take these pills to actually shut down our body's production. Plants have enzymes in this. They do all the work for us. So we don't have to produce these high acid stomachs. If you look at the stomach of a carnivore, they're really high acid. It'd burn a hole right through our stomach if you put their acid in our stomachs. We have low acid, like all the rest of the herbivores, because we're plant eaters and the plants come prepackaged with enzymes so that our stomach doesn't have to do that work. But every time we put an animal product in our stomach, our stomach has to create all this acid. And that's why antacids are the number one over-the-counter drug in the marketplace because of what we're putting in our stomach that doesn't belong there. Jeff, this has been awesome. Is there, uh, oh, I think we have another question. Oh, if we have one more time for one more question, this is Lisa. Hi, Jeff. I am curious to know about uh, how this would help with the weight loss journey for people though, who are just getting started. How would Clean Machine fit into that program? Thank you. Oh, great question. And 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 weight loss is is our imperative. We we all have to get our weight down. Weight uh, contributes to the risk of cancer, to diabetes, obviously. Um, the fat in our cells is 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 what causes diabetes, not not sugars. There's a great book out there called Mastering Diabetes. If you read it, they're on a mostly high fruit diet and mastering diabetes, reducing diabetes, getting off insulin consuming fruit. So this fear of fruit being full of sugar and that sugar causes diabetes, it does not. All of the research is very clear today. 
that fat causes it. Fat gums up the inside of the cells and then it's too much energy for the cell to handle. So it shuts off its insulin receptor sites because it says I have too much energy inside the cell. Once you remove that fat from the cell, then the insulin receptors open up and you become insulin sensitive again. Type two diabetes is insulin insensitivity. That means there's too much fat in the cell. That fat is not caused by sugar. Sugar actually increases insulin sensitivity. Now, if you already have diabetes, you don't wanna add sugar to that because it can't get inside the cell because you've already shut down the cell full of fat. So you don't want to add sugar as a diabetic, obviously, but what you want to do is use exercise and get that fat out of the cell by changing to a mostly whole food plant-based diet. This can be done with the help of supplementation too as well to assist you on that journey and that's what we do in this. When I was at 24 Hour Fitness, the largest gym and fitness channel in the world, and we did a study to find out why people stopped going to the gym. The number one reason was I don't get results fast enough. So I really wanted to help people get results sooner. And you do that by understanding our physiology, how it works, and then giving people plant-based products that help assist their own body to do the right thing to get that weight balance and that weight fat off. So that's our approach. And and we want to help you help your body get to that place. But just simply going on a whole food plant-based diet, I can almost guarantee you, you will begin to lose body fat within weeks. Well, great question, Lisa, and great answer, Jeff. And any others? We're, we're over, over time here. I wanna be sensitive to Jeff as well as the rest of you. Anything else? Well, I have hours full of more, so, <laughs> but we're, we're going to have to end for today. But Jeff, I'm going to ask you this. I've enjoyed this. I hope you have. I hope our audience has. But maybe after April 23rd sometime, sometime <laughs> after the show, we might have you back on again, because I know we could have at least another wonderful hour worth of your your presentation as well as as our questions and if you would be open for that we would love it so not asking for a commitment but we'll you and i'll just stay in touch and if that can work we'd love it and then maybe we'd even be able to um, get some video and different things from the competition so we could show some of that too it would be great indeed all right. Thank you so much, well, Wayne, for having me. It's been a joy talking with you. I enjoyed our very first conversation, and this one's been right up there, too. Awesome. And we'll uh, wish you the best. And everybody, keep in mind and be giving more thought to what we eat. And Mark, why don't you take us out? I bet you enjoyed that immensely. That was one of our most amazing presentations here at the EAT community. Please look forward to our next podcast in the very near future, and we look forward to seeing you again on the Eat Community Podcast.